We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and three, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, offense, defense, special teams. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Pollard with Tommy Avance for our Thursday preview podcast with the Rams and Buccaneers. It's getting later and later in the year. We're now past the equinox. It's getting darker. Falls in the air, at least out here in Ohio. In California, how's the weather, buddy? It's beautiful. Actually, it's starting. we're starting to get some tropical storms, so the weather... It was going from like 92 degrees to like 76, but disgusting humidity, so there's that. So now California is just like everywhere else, horrible weather. (laughs) We didn't have humidity in California 
growing up, by the way. It never got above like 30% ever. And now it averages, you know, 60 to 90%. It's ridiculous. Climate change, right? Whatever it is, it sucks because now there's no hiding from it. You used to be able to hide from it in Southern California. And now I don't, I don't know if there's anywhere without humidity now. I mean, climate change, weather, however you want to say it, things happen. I remember being growing up, you know, I'm growing out there and barely ever in humidity. Coming up for Ransfest last year, dude, soaking wet all the way through to the bone, 110 degrees. I never remembered weather like that, like that out there. Never, 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 never. No, this year it wasn't. This year it wasn't as hot as the year before, but it was still humid. You know, it just wasn't that bad, but it was still humid. This is fall now. It's getting, it's getting close. And it's getting close to Sunday with the Buccaneers coming to town. The Buccaneers getting, well, they got beat by Daniel Jones in the New York Giants last week. That was I got to awesome. be honest. I got to be honest, man. That, that stunned me a bit because to me, the Buccaneers were improved. And. Yeah, I, I don't have anything for that. Daniel Jones? Really? Daniel Jones? Are we serious? He, he ripped it up. It was cool because everyone crushed the Giants for drafting him so early. I mean, I know it was only one game, but it's promising, right? It is. It is, but I'm still not a Daniel Jones believer. I just think they hadn't seen much film on him at this point, honestly. I just I can't think of any other thing. Daniel no, Jones? No, no. You, you, yeah, you'll... After you get some time under your belt, we'll see what you're really made of. But he was definitely an upgrade over Eli, that's for sure. So that's something to ask Trevor Sycamore about because, my Lord, was that an ugly way to go down last week. Seriously. Before we get there, folks, we do want to let you know that we are sponsored here by Jim Hawkins, Book Hollywood's team. We also want to invite you to head over to Apple Music and leave a review. We could really, we do really appreciate any review you leave us, especially when that has a big five-star. If you like what we do, but you don't think we quite deserve that five-star, send us an email at ramstop1945. We'd really appreciate just some feedback on how we can do a better job at what we do. And Tommy will test this, how seriously I take it to make our company the best at this thing. And we continue to work at providing you great content with great guests with great everything but it takes time and we need your feedback to just get getting better and better and better we're like the rams like for me it's it's what it's for the rams it's week four for this company it feels like week 16 but it's not it's only like week three or four for us and we just gotta keep growing as well and hopefully by the end we're super Bowl contenders that was a that was kind of a weird analogy but i had to do it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> i just i gotta be honest <laughs> all right so, yeah, SoundCloud, Spreaker, all those places. Of course, Apple Music, five-star review. Who wants to get 200 of those things? One lucky winner can save five-star gifts to do NFLshop.com. I think we need to up that Annie, to be honest with you, Tommy. I think we need to up that Annie. Let's go ahead and For do what? that. For Let's go what? ahead and do that. All right. When we get the 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner is going to get themselves a customized Rams jersey of their choosing i.e. throwback or current player, customized Rams jersey, replica. Can't afford to get the authentic. Sorry, guys. Um, there you go. We're going to up the ante. You can get a personalized jersey from NFLShop.com, okay? There you go. So start making the magic happen. 
This is how it works. Head over to iTunes, which is now Apple Music. Leave that five-star review. Send us an email at ranstalk1945 at gmail.com with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward. Again, we're up in the ante. We'll go out there and we'll pay for you to get a personalized Rams jersey sent to your door through NFLshop.com. If you can't appreciate that one, if you don't want to make the magic happen with that one, then, Tommy, I don't know what else I need to do. Yeah, people are lazy. They'll <laughs> listen to the podcast, but they won't go over and click a review or fill out a survey or click the five stars. We all are guilty of it in our lives. I got asked to take a survey online today from AT&T and chose not to. Really? Yeah. I was busy. I don't think anyone, you know, directly, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not going to do that. They just don't. You know what I mean? People don't like free stuff. You guys don't like free stuff? Well, Come you know on, what? Man. We will put it out to we will put it out on Twitter on this being Thursday night. The contest is going. We've upgraded the contest. If you are motivated and want that jersey, you'll make it happen. And I know we're lazy too. I can't tell you how many podcasts I listen to that I have not left reviews for. I really should. Knowing the feeling, I should go back and do them now. Seriously. Knowing the feeling I've, of wanting those reviews. I've never done it, and I'm going to start doing it now just so I'm not a hypocrite. Uh, that's probably a good I can't thing. give no one a hard time about it if I don't do it either, right? And at least you're honest about them. At least you're honest. <laughs> yep. By the way, you also have a T-shirt over there at Rams and Center. We haven't talked about it in a while. We have a couple of things going on, guys. Rams and Center has a T-shirt. That's a very nice T-shirt. We have an order form for it. You can contact Tommy about it. Get the T-shirt. It's a nice one. It helps support us. It helps support getting us some better equipment to provide better podcasts. And one more thing, um, just a little bit of news. Uh, Dom Samara, we have the fun going on for him. And uh, he had to go back into urgent care earlier this week. And um, yeah, he's in our thoughts. He had to stop totally working on the staff for the time being because he just he's uh, he's hurting. He's hurting pretty badly. Uh, that's my friend. And so, uh, if you have not given to the campaign, would ask you consider it. And um, I'll put the link up as well this weekend if you would like to consider. You know, getting we're trying to get this guy the help he needs, and we just need your help if. You're welcome. Okay, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tommy, are giggling about them losing to Daniel Jones. I don't know the thing about this franchise anymore. They've been showing signs of coming back, getting back in the saddle again, and then they do things like this. I'm confused, man. I'm not going to lie. What is up with Tampa Bay? It's Tampa Bay, man. Nobody <laughs> wants to live there. Nobody wants to play there. Nobody wants to go there. <laughs> What are you talking about? Tampa Bay's a beautiful place to live, man. Bah! Running from hurricanes every year, and I'm straight. Well, I mean, I think there's... I I guess I'm going to pick up Florida fans a bit here because, I mean, is it is it me or are fans generally in Florida just fair weather? They're talking about the Rams, and they're talking about L.A. fans being fair weather, where you could talk all that trash if you want, but L.A. teams almost always finish top 10 wherever they're at. Okay. But when you're... A team that has won a Super Bowl in the last 20 years, your NFL franchise, and you can't fill your stadium in Tampa Bay, which is, for the most part, a beautiful place to play. They've had their stars. you down to Miami. Well, I don't blame them for not going to the Dolphins game. I'm not going to lie to you. But even when the Heat are going, when the, the Panthers are playing well, the Jacksonville Jaguars, when, they were, when they're good, 
I, I don't want to get into the Rays. I think the, I think what happened with the Rays is unfair, considering what their situation is, what their, worst, what their stadium is. I wouldn't want to go play, watch a game there either. But overall, man, Florida? Wow. I got – that's all I can say is wow when it comes to fan sport. Well, People, I try to – I always try to look at things – as what they really are, right? Instead of saying, "Well, why, why is Florida, you know, have so many bad sports franchises, and why do the people don't show up?" Well, the people don't show up because the team stinks. The teams they stink, right? That's one reason. Another reason they can't afford it. There's a lot of poor people in Florida, dude. There's a lot of really rich people and a lot of really extremely poor people too. So there, you exclude them right there. They can't afford it. And then you got everyone else who's a retiree from someone else who can care less. There you have it. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, Snowbirds go live there, and Snowbirds are taking their team. So you get your New Yorker who goes down to Florida. Who are they going to watch? The Yankees when they come down. Mm -hmm. Or the Giants when they come down. Or the Jets. Unbelievably, yes, the Jets have fans. Good for them. But outside of Miami, the Dolphins, the Dolphins actually do have a pretty rabid fan base, except they've been peeing on that fan base for the last 20 years for crying out loud how can they not fix that franchise out there the marlins down there in miami have just been i mean i can't think of a, a franchise that has treated their fans in their hometown worse than marlins outside of maybe the expos in montreal seriously it's just ridiculous yeah so, at some point i mean the dolphins had you know have always had a strong fan base you know dan marito had a lot to do with that and even after then the hope that you would find another quarterback, blah, blah, blah. But here we are a couple decades later, still in the same boat. I'm sorry, but if the Rams were bad for that long, I might not renew my season tickets either. I got better things to spend my money on. And that's that's a fact. You know, well, 20 years of garbage, uh, that's too much for even me, and I'm a super fan. Oh, Tommy, that's called economics, man. It's economic. And you can look at Florida and California. There's similar one, one major area. In each place, there are 40,000 different things to do. And they're all competing for your dollar. If you've got money, there's lots you can do in Florida, and there's lots you can do in California. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. If, the Rams, if, if I'm a fan out there of the Rams, and I am putting money year in and year out to this new stadium, for example – and they do not do anything to improve the product they're selling me, i got to reconsider my priorities in terms of how I'm spending my money. That is, There's nothing wrong with that. It's called economics. Yeah. But I think what really ticks me off is, I don't know how you went off on this tangent, but, okay, let's be honest. We know how we go off on tangents. We go off on tangents all the time because we just ramble. But I get, what bothers me is I remember when the Yankees built that new stadium out, the new Yankee stadium, okay, and within two years after that last World Series, it was 2009, fans stopped going, were starting to back off going to Yankee games. The Yankees were on a bit of a downside. And sure enough, the Yankees stopped selling games out. They were having to drop their ticket prices. What do you learn? Right. I mean, what do you learn? Economics matters. Money matters. The Rams, let's bring this all back to the Rams and Bucks. Now, for the, both the Rams and the Bucks, Fans should, to me, fans should not be judged if they choose not to go to a game. Because they have, no, every dollar you spend, you have to choose whether or not that franchise deserves that dollar. Yeah, and the Rams are doing a good job of make because they, they know, you know, 
how LA is. It's the it factor, right? What's the it factor? Hollywood, actors, musicians, this and that. Every single game, there's nothing but famous people everywhere walking around, dude. And people want to be around that. You got the, the cast of Mayans doing the coin toss at the beginning of the game. You got YG in the end zone posted up every single game. There's so many celebrities everywhere. You know, Danny Trejo, the list goes on. I met Ric Flair last year on the field of the Kansas City game when I was taking a selfie with Kevin Demoff. Comes rolling up to me with his woo and all that. It was amazing. <laughs> you would never get to do that walking around anywhere. But at the Coliseum, the Rams are doing a great job of getting celebrities in there, you know, and making it one big party and, and making the community feel welcome they had a, a mariachi band all dressed in professional mariachi uniforms but with rams custom colors and custom handkerchiefs and they played one of the most famous uh, spanish songs in history and most of the crowd knew it and they were singing it because the rams know this is a hispanic community whether you want to believe it or not los angeles is a hispanic community and everyone else falls behind that and you're seeing that with the way they're handling the team, the Vamos Rams campaign. They're all about it, man. They're doing the right things. But if they were not for a long period of time, my money's going somewhere else. I'm sorry. It's my money. It's my choice. Will I never not root for my team? Will I never not watch my team? No, absolutely not. When I retire, I'm selling my, my season tickets and I'm moving out of state and maybe out of the country and i'll be watching them just like everyone else on some streaming app you know in the middle of nowhere on a beach with my little drink getting away from all this chaos right yeah i, I had to do that when i was when i was out to sea man when it, during the rams super bowl run in 1999 go i was listening to the nfc championship game against the buccaneers you know what i was doing i had jacked in a headset into an r2368 radio receiver in the radio room, the radio, the radio center in our ship, a spare one, and I sat back there and I listened to the game while I was on watch. Man, oh, yeah. I, I was out in the middle of the ocean doing that. That's some that's some serious. That, 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 that Rams Bucks bring back some memories, man. I'm telling you, some great memories of some great games over the years. But just real quick before we move on to those games about Tampa Bay, you know they they won a Super Bowl. The year after the Rams lost to the Patriots, and that team was a heck of a team. I mean, that was a team that somehow, some way, fell apart after that win. But to me, watching them beat the Raiders that year in that Super Bowl, that should have been a franchise that won a couple Super Bowls. They were that good. Now look at them, and the fans aren't coming. That to me is one a shame for what should be a fun franchise to watch. But I kind of feel for those fans because we went through that with the Rams for 20 years. Yeah, cool. and and Pat Kerwin made a good point on uh, on his show on NFL, uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio the other day. He always makes a lot of good points because he's, you know, former GM in the NFL, and he gets it, man. I like listening to him. So he a fan called in and was asking about, uh, it was the Redskins, you know, because they've been terrible for decades too, right? So he's like, man, I've been a fan for so many decades, and it's just, when does it stop? And he, he responded, he said, when you find a quarterback like the other successful teams, it'll stop. 
you got to start there and you just haven't found one yet they're hard to come by it's pretty obvious right that's why jared goff got an extension because if not who else are you going to get right that's, all these fans like jared goff stinks blah blah, blah. what are you going to do about it then well, who are you going to get nobody's the crazy the answer. thing about it tommy like Moron. you have so many folks going after jared goff all the time do you not remember what it was like when you didn't have jared goff you're on this guy <laughs> all the freaking time Look at our quarterbacks. Go back, man. Go back. Post Jim uh, Everett. Post Jim Everett. I can't Everett. even remember half of them. They were so oh, bad. Yeah. Oh, let's roll through them. T.J. Rubley. Remember that name? <laughs> T.J. Rubley. Chris Miller was okay, but he, okay, he was hurt. So you had Chris Miller. You had T.J. Chris Chandler was quarterback for a little while. Mm-hmm. Tony Journey. Banks. And Tony Banks Horrible. was a nice guy, but he, he just didn't make it. Okay. Mark Bolger. A good quarterback who got hurt because they couldn't protect him. How about this? Keith Null. Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Sam Bradford. Case Keenum. There's more. I'm just not pulling the top of my head immediately. Austin Davis. Austin Davis, who did actually show a few flashes here and there for you know a couple Sean games. Sean Hill. Sean Hill. You could keep going. These were your options, and yet you are going to hammer Jared Goff because he's not the perfect franchise quarterback. Because be he's careful not. what you wish for is what I say to all those stupid fans. Be well, careful what you wish for. And I get the complaint. He's a first-round number one pick, right? Number one pick, top of the board there, okay? Yeah. And he's, I mean, let's just be honest, he's not as good as Pat Mahomes is, okay? All right, fine, fine. He's not as good as Pat Mahomes. He's still better Anybody you've had in the last 20 years since Kurt Warner. What does Pat Mahomes have that Jared doesn't? What does Pat Mahomes have that Jared doesn't? That is, to me, probably has a little bit of a better arm. Probably has... Wheels. Some wheels. It's his wheels because if you watch Patrick Mahomes play, he's running for his life half the time. Let's not give him too much credit. He's running for his life, and he's playing street ball. And he finds the open guy. Regardless of how you get there, he gets there. Well, but he's an athlete, dude, and he is cerebral. So he has the two things that you need to be stellar, dude. Jared Goff is kind of clumsy and slow like Tom Brady. So he needs to be better when he's in the pocket. But even so, think of, the, <laughs> think of that run last weekend. He showed, yeah, he looked so like he, he was going to trip and fall. He did, but he also made a couple of nice athletic moves to get there. I mean, no, no, I yeah, agree. But I mean, man, it's rough to watch sometimes. Uh, you know, here's, here, to me, here's the reality. Okay, you know, Patrick Mahomes stepped into a perfect situation out there in Kansas City. All right, yeah. he had the coach. His coach of the future was immediately there. He came out of an offense that was more geared towards the NFL, and yet you have Jared Goff coming from a total college offense under one guy. Been playing for probably the worst head coach in terms of offense I've ever seen. Jeff Fisher, as the Rams head coach, I know we all love him on Twitter. Okay, he's hilarious. He's awesome on Twitter. But let's be mm-hmm. honest for what he was for his five years as a head coach. For as an offensive coach, who is not an offensive coach, but in terms of his offensive system, he was yeah, he allowed to be in played. In play. What the heck did he do out there? That team was awful every year on offense, and they got worse every year. He he didn't do what he should have done. When you're not an expert in one thing, you hire an expert and you get out of his way. That's what Sean McVay did by going out and get Wade Phillips. Sure. Right? So that is where you are, and then you wonder why Goff was behind from the get-go. Goff lost some of that development. Now, this is not to make excuses for him, but to try and put 
Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff in the same conversation, you have to keep in mind they didn't come from the same situation. Not just the same situation, but they're physically completely different people, man. You can't compare the two. You know, you can't. Jared Goff's not a mobile quarterback. He's average mobile at best. He's kind of clumsy, dude, you know. But what you lack in that, you can make up for in other areas, like being cerebral, being intelligent, you know, and he'll get there. Like, it's this is his third year starting a full season. Like, calm down, man. Like, it's it's early still. We're talking, these quarterbacks are playing two decades now. Yeah, right? Definitely. Definitely. So shut up. It's year three, and we're barely in week four. Calm down and give them a break. We're 3-0. and Enjoy life. Smell the roses. Glass half full before it goes away. Let's hope it doesn't. Let's hope the Rams stay a competitive franchise, whether they're 8-8 eight and eight or 13-3. and three. It's still competitive. When you're 4-12, and 12, not so much, okay? But if they can find a way to win eight, to 13 games consistently for the next 25 years, who doesn't want to be a part of that, right? I mean, who doesn't? You're right. This is what I would also want to say, too. Um, when it comes to the offense against, say, Tampa Bay, this is the perfect time for them to get healthy. Tampa Bay is they're a franchise in flux. They have some talent there. We've been saying that for a couple of years. Now. There is some talent there, but they're not quite where they need to be. Being at home this weekend before you head off to Seattle for that big Thursday night game, this is your chance to really kind of gel things together. And it'll be very interesting to see how the Rams go out there and play offense this Sunday. To get into that, we need to talk with, with Trevor Sikama from the Pewter Report. He is one of those diehard Bucks guys. Before we do, we do want to pause, give some shout outs or some wonderful love for my bookie. Check him out. And they even have a promo code for us to boot. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. All right, without further ado, here is Trevor Sigma from the Pewter Report. Here we go. All right, folks, we're here with Trevor Sigma from the Pewter Report, among many places. I mean, this guy is right about the NFL draft, a big Tampa Bucks guy. Trevor, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Derek. It's always good to be with you, man. Uh, was, I think this is the third time you've been on my show, and you've been on our buddy Steve's show. You get around Ram Circles. Listen, you, you guys better yeah, look. If you guys are making any ad revenue, all I'm saying is I better get to start getting a check here soon. If I'm gonna keep coming on here, it's almost like I'm a regular host. Hey, hey, hey! When we want <laughs> draft info, we want bucks info. We gotta go to you. We gotta go to you. That's that's. Oh, a, that's I appreciate a, it, man. A Always love coming on. I really do. Okay. Well, this game is in many circles for the Rams. We're thinking after watching Daniel Jones torch you guys last weekend. Um, we're thinking this should be a win. Tell me why the Rams fans out here should be concerned. Yeah, I mean, so 
just from viewing from afar, very far, East Coast to West Coast, if you will, what I've seen a lot from McVeigh over the last year or so, certainly watching a lot more of last year than than the first couple of weeks for this year, it seemed like certainly everybody loves talking about the Rams passing attack. They love to talk about the points that they could put up. But, you know, from my observations, and correctly if I'm wrong, that really all starts with how they run the ball and really the threat they have to run the ball. They, they, they run, I know, Sean McVay likes to do a lot of stuff out of the same formations, right? Create the same kind of looks. I think I read a stat today that through weeks one through 11 or 13, something like that, of last year, they ran 98% of their plays from the same formation with the same 11 guys. So mm-hmm. they like to keep things pretty uniform, and they like to have the threat of either a run or a pass on any down. And I'll say that when you get rid of that element to run and you're really not selling out for it, especially if the run game isn't going well, that's when you really can start to make Jared Goff think a lot, get him off of his platform, make him make plays out of structure, and that's where you have a chance to keep up with McVay and the Rams' offense. Now, the reason why I say all that and the reason why I bring it to the answer to to your initial question there is because in terms of stopping the run and neutralizing a team's run game, I don't think there's been a better team in the NFL over the the first three weeks of the season, especially looking at who the Buccaneers played. I mean, they played Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman week one, who were two pretty good backs, a good one to punch out, out there uh, in San Francisco. Week two, they held Christian McCaffrey to his lowest yards per carry average of his entire NFL career in on Thursday Night Football. And then last week, I, I know Barkley got hurt late in the first half, but he had eight carries and got 10 yards with him. I mean, Barkley wasn't doing a dang thing against this Bucks run defense. And so in that sense, yeah, the secondary definitely needs a lot of work in Tampa if they're going to work cohesively as a unit to stop the Rams and be able to keep up with them. But in terms of that first phase of what you do to shut the Rams down, stopping their run game, stopping their ability to be a threat both in the run and the pass and not really having to worry about it, get more to golf, get a lot more pressure on him, that's something that I think bodes well for the Buccaneers seeing what we've seen over the first three weeks. They have a chance to really neutralize their ground game. Now, what if I countered with it's not just setting up the, setting up the pass. They like to do things to set up the run. Like yeah, we've seen, so we've seen McVeigh come out there and go eight straight pass plays, ranging from screens to outs to deep throws, and then they try the run. Yeah, no, I mean if, the, if that's if if they're going to flip the script, if they're going to flip the game plan around, then the Bucks have a little bit more of an uphill climb. Um, their defense is really kind of in two phases right now, and a, a lot of people can divide their defenses in similar ways, but it's when defenses really all work together that you start to get a lot of production. Right now, there isn't a big cohesiveness, at least there certainly wasn't last week against Daniel Jones, with the secondary working with the pass rush. We saw Shaq Barrett get four sacks in a single game last week, which was the first time since, I think, 1982, 1992, something like that. It's only happened once before ever in NFL history where a guy has got four sacks in one game. Shaq Barrett was a one-man wrecking crew on that defensive line, bringing pressure towards towards, uh, Daniel Jones. Yet the defensive backs couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. There were Evan Ingram was one running wide open. Sterling Shepard was running wide open. The chemistry wasn't there. And the reason why it's not there is because you look at the secondary group for the Buccaneers, and 
the elder statesman of the group, if you will, is Vernon Hargraves, a 24-year-old fourth-year player. The rest of these guys, they're first and second-year guys. I mean, they're rookies, and they're guys with not a lot of experience. And that's where I think McVeigh, in the chess match of coaches, that are going, that I think the big one is going to be McVeigh versus Todd Bowles. That's going to be the one that tips the scale the furthest, is how Bowles can really reunite that secondary to play like they did in weeks week two more than they did so in week three because i do think that as you're saying they're gonna keep they're gonna do what they need to do. i think the rams are gonna do what they need to do to attack the bucks weaknesses and try to keep them on their heels to open up different parts of the game the secondary's just got to play better i think that's the end of the day it's going to be hard to ask that because of the inexperience they have in that room but that's what you got to do i mean that's what you got to do you're in the nfl for a reason you've got a starting job for a reason they need those guys to step up, no doubt about it. Now, this week's first injury report for the Rams, Blythe, that's a big one actually, limited. Higby, limited for a chest injury. Tlaib was not injured, did not play, so veteran veteran holiday for him. But the Bucks, their first injury report today, uh, Devontae Bond, limited. Jamil Dean did not play. Chris Godwin did not play. Ryan Jensen did not play. Brashard Perriman, limited. Vita Villa, that's one I want to ask you about. Did not play. Devin mm-hmm. White did not play. What's going Are these guys, is, is some veteran DMPs here? Are there some actual injuries? What's going on? No. So, I mean, Devin White will start there as starting middle linebacker. He's, he's still dealing with what we thought was an ACL scare uh, that he had early on in that Carolina game. He's he's most likely not going to play this week, so he's kind of the, they're thinking that they're going to get him in a couple of weeks, and so I don't think he's going to be suiting up, which is kind of a big loss. Although they do have Kevin Minter, who's been a reserve veteran linebacker, but Levante Davis the playmaking linebacker, and so he's been able to fill in well, even if it's just him, himself there in dime packages from the linebacker group. Vita Vea, I, I think that he's going to be fine. I think he was just banged up a little bit, maybe an extra day of rest, and then. Chris Godwin was on there as well. Ryan Jensen was on there as well. Those are two guys who are big contributing starters on the offense. I expect both of those guys to play as well. And so for the big ones that you're thinking, oh, those the, if they miss the game, these could be big swings. Jensen, Godwin, and Vea, I think, are all going to play. And Devin White, I do not expect to play this week. Okay. So, and... A little about Bruce Arians. We're, we are not big fans of Bruce Arians over here. Okay. Um, just going to be the disclosure. Guy sure. Was, you know, personality-wise is known for his uh, jerky behavior. However, he's not a standing coach. What kind of impact has he had in the franchise since becoming your new head coach out there? I'll tell you this, man. For as much as uh, a lot of people who have gone up against him and had to deal with him over the last couple of years uh, might, might not be fans of him, the attitude – that he has brought to this Buccaneers, the confidence, and just the overall mentality of going out to win football games. It seems so elementary, right? You're playing to win the games, as the uh, old football cliche goes. That was not existent for the Buccaneers for a long time. It wasn't existent under Raheem Morris. It wasn't existent under Greg Schiano. It wasn't there when Lovey Smith was there, and it wasn't there when Dirk Cutter was there. Not to say that these guys didn't want to win football games. They all did. But they didn't know how. They didn't know how to win. What they were saying didn't hold any water, didn't hold merit, if you will. And the players realized that really quickly once things started to go downhill. So, you know, I'll tell you, back in training camp, the moment that it really struck me was 
going into the first preseason game, it was on the road. It was they were facing the Pittsburgh Steelers, and somebody just asked the the very simple question: Hey, what are you expecting to get out of this, or what is the goal for this first preseason game against the Steelers? And he looks at the guy, kind of smirks a little bit, laughs, chuckles, and goes, "Win." And you know, it's kind of a you know, haha. That's a little funny. There's a little sarcasm there. But that's the mentality, and that's the thing. It's so simple that has not existed in Tampa Bay for so long. They've never expected to be winners. Tampa Bay has choked away so many leads, more leads than I can count over the last three or four years, three, four, five years. They just don't know how to finish games because they don't expect to win. This is not a team that is used to it. It's not in their blood. They've never been taught by a person who knows how to win that this is the expected. This is the standard. You walk into the stadium. This is how we're going to win. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to walk out. We're going to go back home. And we're going to be victorious. They've never, they haven't had that. They haven't had that in a long time. And I would argue they haven't had that since John Gruden in the early 2000s. Now Bruce Arians coming from, you know, guys got back, uh, not back to back, but two coach of the years awards. You know, he's won wherever he was, whether it was Pittsburgh or Indianapolis or Arizona. He's won a lot of football games and he knows what it's like. He's got a lot of experience. So does his staff. And that's the biggest takeaway so far is that they're instilling, I think, in these players in this locker room and in this culture that, look, Tampa Bay doesn't have to be the butt end of the jokes in the NFL anymore. Tampa Bay doesn't have to just be these free wins. Tampa Bay can be a team that wins. Why not us almost is kind of the motto. And he's teaching these guys how to win. Now, uh, my host, Tommy, we talked a little bit about the struggling fan base down there in Florida, whether it's in Miami or in Jacksonville or out where you are. And, I mean, we'll be honestly picked on a little bit, but we also understand if you're not putting a good product out there, you're not going to get people bu- sure. out there buying tickets, and neither nor should they be required to go out there and buy tickets. Are you starting to see fans react to this, well, react to this new thing called expectations for winning? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I'll tell you, walking to the stadium week one with it being a home game, I walked through all the tailgate slots, and um, they were more full than I've seen them in a long time. There was such a chipper attitude amongst the uh, amongst the fan base as I was popping around to a couple of tailgates to some friends that I have as I was walking to the stadium. They were excited. They're excited about the season. I think that you know Bruce has not only brought new life to that locker room, a new expectation in that locker room, but uh, also to the fan base. They believe in him too. That's kind of what makes this uh, one and two start, and certainly the way they've started one and two so frustrating, giving both games away at home in um, pretty heartbreaking fashion in both times. So I'll say that there was a new and higher level of expectation for especially Buccaneers fans with Bruce Arians being there. But when they lost that first game, and especially when they lost this past one this past Sunday, that whole phrase, same old Bucks, kind of came up a little bit more. And fans were quick to go back to it because... um, you know, it's 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 like going back to your ex, right? Continually, after they just continue to not be the right person for you, things don't work out. Then the 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 lack of chemistry is on the wall. There's no success being had here in the relationship. That is so much of what Bucks fans have had to deal with over the last shoot eight to ten years, and they've just kind of almost got this numb feeling about it. And so, kind of a bummer that it started out the year the way that they have, just because there was such a. Uh, a spark ready to become a flame in the fan base. But the way they've started here, one and two, a lot of those fans that were hopeful are back to skeptical. So they'll have to prove it here uh, on at the beginning of a daunting road trip that the Bucks now have to go on. But that's the weird thing is roster rebuilds take time. It's not going to be 
brand new right away when the Super Bowl for the most part when you get the new when a new coach in no matter what. It takes time. I mean, and especially when you have questions at quarterback. And that's let's be honest, Jameis Winston has not been what you guys expected him to be. Now, let me ask this question though. Is that changing? Are you guys starting to see anything in him? So Winston's hot and cold. You know, I think that's just always going to be the the way that Winston is. I mean, we're in year five of Jameis Winston now. The 40 touchdown, 10 interception uh, Heisman winner that we saw his redshirt freshman year at Florida State, it's clear that he's just not going to be that guy ever. Not in the NFL. The competition level is too steep. He just, it's not going to be what he's going to be, especially in Tampa. Can you win with Jameis Winston? Yeah, I do think that you can win with Jameis Winston. I think that he does things well enough to where if you create a stable environment around him, his instability in and of itself won't doom you as a franchise. I think that you can even make a couple of playoffs and perhaps even some runs with Jameis Winston, although that would a lot depend on the team around you and certainly the coaching staff too. But it's clear that you know, in terms of the number one overall pick, it's crazy looking back at that year with him and Mariota coming out. You thought that there was there was no wrong choice. And now we're almost looking at it like, Wow, were, were both of them the wrong choice? You know, were both of them these quarterbacks that, that never ended up becoming what the, we thought that they were going to be? There's talent in Jameis Winston. I, and again, like I said, I think you can win with him. But certainly there's the boneheaded mistakes, uh, the, the the times where he, he outthinks his common sense, where he's thinking too hard, where one coach is telling him one thing, another guy's telling him another, his mind's telling him another. And you could just see it's just kind of it, it doesn't it's not the cerebral confident guy that you would want him to be that I think that you saw the fearlessness of that kind of a player at Florida State he just has not been able to become that in the NFL and I think that that's because the talent level is a lot higher and that gunslinger risk taker mentality really started to bite him early and once he started to have to kind of hold himself back he really hasn't been able to develop the game uh, from a schematic, an assassin, a cerebral standpoint, like a guy like Tom Brady or Drew Brees or um, even Matt Ryan. I mean, you know, I know Matt Ryan's having a down year, but in years past, he's been a guy who's won a lot upstairs. That's just not something that Jameis Winston's always really been able to do. He's a talented guy physically. He's got a great arm, um, and he's got a good will to win. But in terms of being the guy above the shoulders to make it happen, always making the smart play, taking the next step to be – a guy who can convert touchdowns and minimize interceptions. He's just never become that. Not sure he ever will, but I do think that even where he is and a little bit better if he can go, you can win with him, but I don't think he's going to be the Jameis Winston savior that that a lot of people thought that they were getting a couple years ago. I'll switch gears over to the Rams real quick. Outside of Aaron Donald, because I think we, everybody kind of fears Aaron Donald, is there another player that directly concerns the box in terms of you know, matchups? Who concerns you the most? Well, I think you know the cornerback matchup is a big one, um, just because these are these are two guys who who like to get aggressive with receivers. I think that I don't know I, I don't know if concern me nearly as much as I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to see a pissed off Mike Evans go up against guys like Marcus Peterson and Keith Talib. I assume Keith Talib is going to play. Um, so I mean, like I, I I'm looking forward. To that matchup, I think how the Buccaneers in the secondary match up with the Rams wide receivers, specifically MJ Stewart in the slot going up against a guy like Cooper Cup or even Brandon Cooks when they'll move him inside or uh, however they want to rotate those guys inside. MJ Stewart hand, uh, holding his end of the bargain in a secondary against that slot role I think is going to be 
a really telling tale of how well the Rams can move the ball, how they can keep drives going. That's going to uh, that's going to be a big difference there. And then, of course, the tackles, the offensive tackles of Los Angeles and how they are going to plan for Shaq Barrett. What are they going to do to help him out if he ends up getting a sack early on? Are they going to start focusing on having more guys in there to help block or chip him or things like that? That's a chess match that I'm also looking forward to there. But those are probably the matchups that I think have a lot of swing potential in the game. The The biggest one, like you said, is is Aaron Donald potentially going up against Alex Kappa at right guard, who is a first-year right guard who, um, let's just say that Cleveland in the preseason had their way with Alex Kappa. And I've got to think that one of the most dominant defensive players of all time also has a good chance to have his way with Kappa too. So I think that that's, that's a, a very important matchup, albeit the obvious one. All things in mind, make your prediction. What are you calling this game out to be? You know, I, uh, I on, on my Bucks podcast, I said that the Bucks were going to win this game, and I'm going to stick with it, if nothing else but because if they lose this one, I'm going to have plenty of other opportunities to say that the Bucks are going to lose. But I do think that at the beginning, when we started talking at the beginning, there is a formula for the Bucks to win this game. I think that if they do bottle up the Rams' run game, if they can get a lot of pressure on Jared Goff, if they can really make him think, then they have the offensive pieces to put up some points. I think it's going to be a, a decently close game. I said 27-25 on my podcast earlier this week when I was predicting a score. And so I'll stick with it. I'll say that the Buccaneers win, although I do think it's going to be a pretty entertaining game. Good Lord, I hope it's going to be an entertaining game because if it's not, then it's going to be the opposite way and the Rams are absolutely going to blow them out. So we'll have to see which one it eventually is, but I hope it's a close one either way. All right, well, can you let folks know where they can find you on social media, all your work? Of course, uh, at Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E, at the very end is, is, is where I'm at on Twitter. Love talking football and all kinds of other tomfoolery about sports and whatnot. Uh, Buccaneers... Uh, content over at pewterreport.com and then I do all kinds of NFL draft stuff whether it's covering college football covering the NFL landscape and everything in between for the draftnetwork.com all right man thanks so much for the time I really appreciate it and maybe just maybe one day we can have a conversation for a playoff game oh there's some memories there would that be a day no thank you so much for having me Derek all right thank you take care All right, Tommy, here we go. Make the call. Rams this weekend against the Bucks at home, 4 o'clock game. How's this one playing out for you? And 31-17. 31, you're, you're giving the Bucks 17? Sure, why not? <laughs> I'm going to go 27-10. 27-10. It'll be a better 27 this time. 27-10, Rams over Bucks, And... I am looking to see Aaron Donald get a little more action. He's starting to he's starting to heat up a little bit, especially with Michael Brockers getting out there a little more. Sebastian Joseph Day getting a little getting a little comfortable in there. Clay Matthews is making some plays. Thanks in large part, of course, by or to Aaron Donald. I'm liking this defense. I like their chances of really messing up the uh, the Bucks game a little bit. That's my view on it. Yeah, I mean, dude. Clay Matthews has more sacks in three games than he had all of last year. That should tell you exactly the position that he was in versus he's you know he's in now. He carried that defense for years, and they now they decide to go out and get a defense and then let him go. 
he's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go to Los Angeles and play next to one of the greatest defensive tackles of all time. He already has four sacks in three games. Aaron Donald got his first sack last week. He didn't have his first sack last season until week four, and he got 20 and a half. So, again, everybody calm down. We'll see. But overall, this game to me is, you can call it a trap game. I do think Tampa Bay is, is better. They can give teams a lot of problems if all the cylinders are working together. They have a solid, I don't. I can't stand the guy as a head coach. I think he's an arrogant uh, you know what? That's Bruce Arians, but he is a good head coach, and he he can make things happen. And he he had that he had the Cardinals team out there for the longest time, competitive and doing well. So th- this could be a trap game problem, but the Rams just have too much talent. They have too much going for them. So you know, let's just call what it is. Any X factors before we go for that you would think would, would think would be an impact in this game? Yeah, Jameis Winston's going to throw three picks. Well, all right then. There you he's going to because that's what he does against good defenses. You know, he makes mistakes, and he's not a very good quarterback. He just isn't. He's terrible. I, I don't think – I just he's just another one of those guys that doesn't have it, and they're just going to continue to flounder as a franchise until they find one who does. I, I remember watching Winston in college and thinking, okay, you know, this is, this is a guy who is completely overrated has too many things going on in his life, too many things that aren't saying his personal life, he's not going to be that guy in the NFL. And that's what he's turned out to be. I think that, to me, watching, I remember the, the big fumble against Oregon. That's my memory of him. It's not the great plays, it's that fumble. Dude, he's a mental patient. Have, did we, have you seen the video that he did, I don't know, last year, the year before, where he was given the pregame speech, and he crossed his fingers and made the W symbol and we're gonna eat a w today and he's all licking his fingers and his teammates including deshaun jackson are staring at him while he's giving this speech like dude you're a pathetic human being and you're disgust me like that right there just go back and watch that and you'll go oh i get it and he's he's a mental patient he has issues he's a weird dude weird is one way to say it weird is one way to say it that was a nice way to say it for me personally (laughs) i could have got what i'll leave that for rams uncensored (laughs) <laughs> That's one way to say it. So, folks, we're doing things a little bit unorthodox this time. We saved our sponsor for last. We got into such a big conversation. It flowed real well. So before we go, we do want to give our sponsor a big shout-out. Jim Hawk, the book Hollywood Teen, Grit Glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book is outstanding in terms of Rams history. It's got great personal touch. It's about his dad, John Hawk, who was an offensive lineman for the team for you know for five years and has all kinds of stars in it. If you want to get an idea of what life was like in Hollywood, playing football with the guys in this era, this is the book to watch, book to read. This is the book to read. Okay, check it out. Hall was seen. Great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's worth your time. You can find it anywhere books are sold on the internet, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can also you can get a hardback. You can get it in paperback very soon. You can get it for your Kindle. I'm telling you, it's worth it, and all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries. Again, check it out one more time. Hall was seen. Great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. All right, closing thoughts for me. I'm going Rams are going to be 4-0 this, after this weekend. Looking forward to the big Seattle game. That's where we're going to see how good this Rams team really is. Going to Seattle midweek, little rest. Looking forward to it. Hyped for it already. 
I'm Tommy? excited for the tailgate because this weekend we just hit fall and our temperature at the Saints game was about 92 degrees. It was pretty brutal. Um, this week, not so much. 78. Probably be a little humid, but the temperature will be a lot lower. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, before we're out of here, a couple last mailbag questions from last Sunday. Here we go. This is from the Geech. Will the real Todd Gurley please stand up, and why is Everton Henderson not in McVeigh's game plan? Tommy, go to town, man. Will the real Todd Gurley please stand up? Well, we're trying to keep him upright by giving him less touches so we can get back to the dance and win it this time. All right? So relax. We have plenty of running backs that can handle the duties. Todd Gurley's issue, in my opinion, from what I've seen in his behavior patterns, the way he is, he's irritated. He keeps getting asked the same stupid questions every week by the media, and he's tired of it. You can see the smirk on his face. He's just counting the seconds when he can walk away from that podium and go live his life. He's just he's over hearing all this nonsense, and it does get to him. It's pretty obvious. You can see it. So I, I, there's nothing we can do as fans about his emotional state or his, whatever the case may be. Sean's going to do what he wants with him, and he's going to preserve him because we're paying him a lot of money to win a trophy. And you don't win a trophy in week three. We don't need him having 350 touches again. Why is Everett and Henderson not in the game plan? It's not there yet, okay? They're evolving the game plan as it goes so that they cannot be figured out again. So they're going to keep moving things around some games, these guys might come in and, and get a lot of touches. Who knows? Who knows what we're going to see week in and week out, and that's exciting to me. So I'm looking forward to that. What do you think? Well, I, I with Todd Gurley, I've pondered the different things going on. I, mean, I Mike mentioned on the Sunday show that he felt like Todd was missing some of his bursts, some ex- explosion at the line. I, I'm not sure I believe that, but I've seen now two former NFL players mention that they're concerned about his bursts at the line. But I'm also look. I can I can go back to the year after his rookie year when he started off real slow and he looked real unsure of himself. And there have been times in the past where he didn't look like he was himself. And all of a sudden, a couple games and he breaks out and he's fine. I don't know quite if there's an issue with him or not. That the team's not talking about it. And you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. The Rams have depth at running back, and sooner or later they're going to use that depth to beat teams up. So, right now, as long as he's not limping, I'm okay. He is in the open field. He still can go 20 miles an hour. He was timed during the summer doing that. Yeah, oh, people are, like, concerned about his burst, but let's be specific here. Are you concerned about his burst because you think his knee's bad? Or do you think because he butt hurt and he's not putting his best foot forward? You can't tell, but it's one or the other. I'm not going to just say, oh, his knee's still messed up. I don't believe that at all. I don't. I believe he's a little butthurt. He's an emotional guy. You saw him crying after the, you know, we won, you know, to go to the Super Bowl. His tears were not of joy. His tears were of disappointment in himself. Okay? You can see it. You can see it that whole game. He was in his own head. He's emotionally soft. A little bit. 
It's pretty well, obvious. I don't want to go into. I don't want to go there and say soft. You know, the guy who's who's done a lot of great things in the game. I would say that when you expect excellence and you expect to be a part of that excellence in everything you do, athletes in general, especially the stars, when things don't go their way, they do tend to have their struggles. They do tend to have their their doubts even. They wonder where they fit in. And we don't know even back in the playoff game how much of that was just, did, you, did he even trust his knee? Was he, was he off mental because he didn't trust his own body? We don't know that. And we haven't seen any real evidence of that thus far because the Rams' offense hasn't gelled yet. The offensive line hasn't been very good yet. So it could be any number of things. It could be nothing. I think by midseason we'll know for sure, right? I mean, I think by midseason we'll know for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, you know, he injured his knees in college. Maybe ever since he injured his knees in college, he's just a little temperamental about it. Fear of get, of hurting it again and not being available, you know, subconsciously can make you play a certain way. There's a lot of factors here. But what what I, what I want you to, to do for the next couple of weeks, when you see Todd Gurley talk, pay close attention to him. Just his behavior, the way he answers questions, uh, his tone, his delivery. Pay attention to all of that, and then come back to me and, and let me know what you think. Yeah, I watch well, a lot of that stuff. I don't just watch football. I watch people. I mean, what I've noticed frustration with him, or exasperation is another word you can use for it. Annoyance would be another word for it. Mm-hmm. All those things. All those things. And why would you be annoyed? I was saying stuff to him at training camp when we were in the hospitality tent, and he came by say hello. And I was, like, making smart-ass comments to him. And he laughed because he knew I was kidding. But I'm like, that. I told him, I said, gets old every time, doesn't it? He's like, you have no idea, bro. And <laughs> just walked away. And I was like, that's what I thought. But I made a joke about it because you could see that he's irritated. So I, I said something to him, and he agreed. You know, he's like, yeah, man. And he just shook his head like, ugh. Here we go again. I was like, hey, have fun. I pointed at the media as he was walking over there. I have fun. And he smirked at me. It's obvious, dude. Yeah, he's he's had enough of it, man. And also for Everett and Henderson, you know, you mentioned, I think Everett is becoming more and more that guy. His athleticism is clear. But the Rams have the the deepest wide receiver core in the league, and that's where your, most of your throws are going to go. So he's more of a guy who is expected to make a play once in a while. He can kind of cough and do something. I'd like to see them use Everett more. I think he's becomes a better blocker. He becomes more useful in the offense, and therefore he'll be in more. But as for Henderson, we mentioned I mentioned it last show. Henderson did not have the blocking down, didn't have a little playbook down quite yet. He's still he's a young guy. And they didn't draft I'm, I do not believe for the minute, for a moment, they just drafted him for now. They drafted him for the future. That's the guy they want as a playmaker in the future to come in there and, and do stuff. You you we have didn't, we didn't know. draft him we didn't draft him to play today. So why are people yeah. even asking about it? It's like, dude, relax, man. He's in the he's in the Rolodex. Calm down. He's in he's <laughs> he's break the glass in case of emergency. So just chill. In the meantime, he's learning. I want to try this this week, Derek. So since you're going to be watching the game on TV this time, and I'm going to be at the game, I want you to do a little bit of homework, and we can talk about it next week. So when when Gerald Everett is on the field. Any play that he's on the field, I want you to stare him down till the whistle is blown and find 
opportunities. And what I mean by that is find out how many times he gets open in the game and Jared doesn't look his way. Okay. And then bring that number back to me and we'll talk about why isn't he being used? Well, he doesn't throw the ball to himself and you have Todd Gurley, Cooks, Woods, Reynolds, Cup. The list goes on. There's not enough balls to go around. And if he's not throwing it to the guy just because he's not seeing him, because Jared is so used to having the three musketeers, one of them's always open. Why would he ever look towards the tight end? He doesn't need to. He has superstar wide receiving core. But find out how many times he gets open because, like I told you, I watch Josh Reynolds a lot when he's on the field when Coop's out. In the Super Bowl, for instance, he was open. He could have had three touchdowns. Never even looked his way. How's that his fault? Right. Then, so let's then, take a look. Let's take a look at Everett and see how see how many times he's open, clapping his hands, and the ball never gets there. And uh, you know it, that goes circles right back to our earlier conversation on Jared Goff. I'm telling you, in three four years, Jared Goff will see him more. Period. As you mm-hmm. evolve as a quarterback who continues to get better, better through progressions, faster through progressions, those throws are going to happen, and we're starting to see those happen. He's getting into the second and third reads now. It's going to takes it just takes more time. The speed of the game evolves as your eyes evolve in the game and your experience evolves in the game. And then also, you know what, Jared Jared Everett needs to keep developing as a route runner. Period. Yeah, and why is it a bad thing that our young quarterback? came into the league and didn't lean on the tight end position like most quarterbacks do. I, I think that's great. He went the opposite route. He started slinging it to the receivers. That's I a mean, good thing, right? You, well, Again, three years ago, we wouldn't throw about that. What? We completed a pass to receiver? Are we serious? <laughs> exactly. And now that's all we do. And now we're crying about the tight end. <laughs> it used to be, if it ain't one thing, it's another. <laughs> it used to be, you know, short little stuff to Tavon or whatever. And now you have yourself actual full hardcore receivers here who can make things happen. You lose your mind when Kenny Britt caught like a 45 yard pass. You're like, ah! <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, like Kenny Britt was this massive all pro receiver. I mean, that's how starved we were for big plays when you you would see that and you would just lose it because it just was rare. Now that's, you know, we see big 40-yard throws to Brandon Cooks every game. It's no big deal. No big deal. Eventually the tight end position will get worked in, but when you have that many weapons, Jared has to look for him or he's never going to get the ball. It's up to him to throw it to him. So we'll see. But keep an eye on that this week. One more question here. And you know what? It's pretty much the same thing. Chris Gomes writes, Our offense is predicated on establishing the run first since it opens up the field for God to throw it deep. I don't necessarily agree with that, by the way. I think sometimes it's the exact opposite. Do you think that Brown and Henderson will receive more playing time in the next few games? Brown will get his Slow play of the time. game. Yeah, Malcolm Brown will play, especially when we have the lead. He'll close it out. You know, he's, he's stellar at that. Henderson will play when, he's, when coach thinks he's ready. Um, and offense, you know, I, I don't like predictability. When I could tell when I was watching the game the other night on first down, like when the Browns were going to run the ball, it was so easy to spot. You need to be unpredictable. I don't care about, you know, establishing the run to open the pass. You can establish the pass to open the run. You can do it any way you want to do it. There's no rhyme or reason. All your job is as an offense is to catch the defense off guard every time you step on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's the job. You make it happen. All right, 
We're looking for sponsors, so reach out to us at RamsTop1945 at gmail.com. Release a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a mini kit ready to get out to you. Also, don't forget, you're with the Big Heads Podcast Network. Check them out. They have a great assortment of different podcasts from around the country, even around the world. They have everything ranging from anger management to the NHL to your standard MLB podcast. Movies, you got it. So check them out. Get us a Big Heads Podcast Network. For us, it's time to hit the bricks. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me, Derek C. Paula, at DC Paula. You can find Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Our Heart Radio, Android, Google Play, Player from all those places for the entire team here, including Tommy, all of us. Have a great day. This is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. We are out of here. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.